I was kind of getting really into that Jake and Hannah stuff, so I was like, I could, we could just listen to this. <laughs> it's going to be a great gig, by the way, uh, during the Harvest uh, weekend. We're not officially part of Harvest, but it's, uh, it's great to be putting something on. We're, gonna, we're just going to force it in, are we? We are part of Harvest. <laughs> now, I'm really excited to be getting Jake and Hannah. It's going to be good. All right, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here. And the last few times I've been preaching, we've been looking at this uh, topic of the kingdom of God, really following on from uh, David Devonish when he came. So um, it's kind of the topic of the kingdom of God. It, it really just gives me an excuse to preach on whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll fit in. <laughs> kingdom of God. So today, as Brent says... I want us to look at the um, role of prayer in the kingdom of God. It does fit in, um, uh, but we're going to be looking at prayer. I used, I used to get depressed whenever preachers preached on prayer. I used to just think, oh, I'm going to go away feeling really bad and content. <laughs> so I don't want to leave you feeling like that. So apologies in advance if I do. That's not my intention. Uh, hopefully, um, I'm going to be able to encourages and also hopefully give us some practical pointers as well. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11 verses 1 to 13. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to that. Um, I don't know if I can get it on the screen here as well, if that's possible. I don't know who is uh, able to do that, but that would be great. Um, sometimes there's a difference between the, what comes up here and what's in my Bible, so mine's an older version. So I'm going to read from this from now. Apologies if it's uh, a little different to that. Luke chapter 11 and verses 1 to 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and the children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right. So this passage begins with Jesus praying. Jesus starts off and he's praying. Um, 
And uh, that's something that wasn't unusual for Jesus. Um, it was something his disciples regularly saw him do. Even if you're just looking earlier on in this uh, book of Luke, we see these uh, things. Luke 5:16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, places to pray. Luke 6:12. One of these days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray. Spent the night praying to God. Luke 9:28. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and went up on a mountain to pray. So little wonder when we get to Acts, uh, Luke 11, the disciples are saying to Jesus, oh, teach us to pray, because they're seeing Jesus doing it, and they're beginning to see the importance of doing it as well. They see that Jesus sees it's important, but they realize they need help in doing it. And uh, I think we realize we need help in praying as well. Um, I've already referred to it, that we can just feel, oh, you know, we, we, we're not, it's not something we're great at doing. Um, we need help how to pray, knowing how to pray. So Jesus teaches us as well as the disciples. And so from this passage, there's five things that we're going to see uh, that Jesus teaches his disciples and teaches us. And they are these things. First of all, that there's a time to pray. Uh, secondly, what to pray. Thirdly, who we come to. Fourthly, how we come to God. And fifthly, that the Holy Spirit joins with us. Those are the five things that we're going to get out of this passage. That's where we're headed today. So number one, we're going to see that there is a time to pray. Jesus says to them in verse two, when you pray, when you pray. There's a basic assumption here that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we will pray. Actually, my guess is that for quite a few Christians, that isn't the reality um, because for many of us, we just find our lives are so busy and so hectic that we never actually manage to find time to fit prayer in. We have great intentions. We have great intentions. We desire, oh, you know, we, we really want to pray. We do see the importance of it. Actually, just the reality of it in our lives is it can just never seem to happen. But we see that looking at Jesus... It was during the hectic and busy times of his life. Actually, that's when he knew that he had to pray. It was when things were busy. It was when things were full on. He prayed before he was baptized. He prayed before he chose the 12. He prayed at the transfiguration as he was getting ready to face Jerusalem. He prayed in the garden as the guards approached to take him prisoner. And of course, as we've been hearing the last few times when Brent's been preaching, he prayed on the cross. When events surrounded him, when life was closing in on him, Jesus took those events and he took them into the courts of God. That was when he prayed. And often we don't pray in those busy times. Things do get crowded out. As Christians, we fight against three things. Because we're in a battle as Christians. You know that, yeah? We're in a battle. We fight against the world and the flesh and the devil. That's what the Bible tells us. We fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I would say with prayer, our main battle is against the flesh. Prayer is never something that we feel like doing. Well, it isn't anything that I ever feel like doing anyway. <laughs> I, never, I never wake up and I think, I just feel like praying now. <laughs> you know, we battle. Our flesh doesn't want to do that. Our body doesn't want to do that. The spirit within us desires to pray, but our body doesn't. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asks his disciples to pray with him, doesn't he? And they fall asleep. 
And then he goes, oh, come on, wake up and pray. And, and, and they fall asleep again. He says, then he returned, Matthew 26, then he returned to his disciples. He found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I mean, this was just before Jesus was going to get arrested. And, he, and he'd, he'd explained to his disciples what was going to happen. And still, sleep overcomes them. Still, sleep overcomes them. It's almost like it, it, it's just inevitable for, for sometimes. You know, we think, I'm going to pray now. And you're not even feeling tired until you start. And then five minutes later, you're like, oh, I just could have a nap. Um, and, we, and we doze off. It's, that's the flesh. That's what happens. We're battling the flesh. And I guess we have a choice. Do we give in to the flesh and just never get around to it or give up or fall asleep? Or do we recognize we're in this battle and we need the Spirit's help in the battle? We need to fan the Spirit into flame. It's going to be the fifth point that we look at. The f I would say the first thing, if we're going to fight this battle, if we're going to win, win the battle of prayer, when the battle against our flesh, the first thing we need to do is we need to plan to pray and we need to stick to it. D.A. Carson says this, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. We do not drift into spiritual life. We don't drift into disciplined prayer. We will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means we must self-consciously set aside time to do nothing but pray. If we don't decide, this is the time we're going to pray. And it doesn't mean we can't pray at other times. Of course we can. But actually, it's good to be disciplined. It's good to set a time. Individually, it's good to set a time for ourselves to pray. Whatever time suits you, you can, you can schedule it in. But actually, as a church, it's good for us to do that as well. And, and that's what we do do as a church. We set aside a time every two weeks between 7.30 and 9 o'clock to pray, and we call it TAG, Together Asking God. That's what it stands for. If you've ever wondered what TAG meant, that's what it means. Together Asking God. Um, and we'll look at the together aspect of that in a minute. Now, maybe it would be easier for us to, if we scheduled it every week, and then you know it's every Sunday, because sometimes you're like, oh, which Sunday is it? I don't know. But you know what? Schedule it in. We've all, all of us who attend regularly um, to Christ Central, we've got access to My Christ Central. It's our new uh, place where we've got our calendar. You can find it through the website. You should have had a login. If you haven't, email Brent, not me. Um, <laughs> he's in charge. <laughs> um, and it'll tell you when it's on. And I encourage you, schedule it in. We've scheduled it. Have you scheduled it in? Do you consciously set aside a time to pray with others in the church as well as on your own? I wonder how many of us, it's on our calendars. I'm, I'm really cheeky when I go, I don't look for this, but I, when I go around to people's houses, I see their calendars. I'm like, oh, I wonder what their life's about. And I'm, I'm looking at their calendars and I'm seeing what's going on. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, just break in. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I haven't consciously looked and see, oh, have they scheduled tag on, the, on their calendar? But that's a question that I would ask you. Have you deliberately put that on? Because if you haven't, if you don't mark it on, you won't just decide to show up. You've got to deliberately think, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to make a decision. If you don't, it won't happen. 
Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 that we need to understand the present time. Romans and chapter 13 and verses 11 to 14. He says this. Uh, he's talked about um, different things that we should do in terms of loving each other and uh, keeping uh, living holy lives. And he says, do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So Paul is mainly talking about sinful things here and we need to put away those things. But actually the desires of our flesh, and some of them can be, they're not all sinful things that our flesh desires. But we can have a view that, oh, well, this is what life's about. This is what I'd like to do. That I, that, you know, there's this, there's this um, movie that's on that I'd really love to watch tonight. Or um, I'm, I'm really into the box set uh, of something and I want to get through it. Or whatever it might be, I really just want to sit out in the sun because I'm going to enjoy the summer. Our flesh will tell us a number of things. And those things aren't all bad. Some are. Some are sinful that we need to put aside. Some aren't, but Paul is saying here, actually, we're in a battle. We need to put our armor on. We need to put on the armor of light. We need to do battle. And prayer is how we do battle. We see that in Ephesians 6. And so he's saying, it's time to live holy and productive lives. It's time to recognize the time that we're living in. It's time to wake up from our slumber. We don't want to be found eating and drinking and just entertaining ourselves. And that's all our life is about when Jesus returns. Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 25. Um, Jesus is talking about what will happen. He says, you know, in the days of Noah, people were just eating and drinking and just enjoying themselves. They didn't realize what destruction was coming upon them. And we've got a world that does that. And so whilst... We can enjoy the things that God gives us in this world, and we can and we should. We, we don't live as the world lives. We recognize the time we're living in. We, ne- we recognize we're, we're Jesus is returning soon, and we're in a battle, and we put on the armor of light, and we live holy lives, and we share our heart for the city with God, and we come to him, and we knock on his heaven's door, and we pray rather than just thinking about what's the next thing we can do. If we allow everything else to crowd prayer out, there will always be more pressing things. Always. More fun things to do. More relaxing things. Let's know the time we live in and pray. So the disciples seek it and they, and they say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus teaches them. He says, when you pray. When you pray. That you again, it's like what I was saying last time I preached. The you, we can sometimes take as an individual, singular you. Actually, Jesus is saying you plural. And uh, our English translations don't always help us to see that. But Jesus isn't just teaching us how to pray individually. He's teaching us how to pray as a community of believers, as though it was one prayer spoken with one voice, but in a community. In other words, the disciples are praying the same things as part of a large family. And praying together is a major foundation for unity for us as believers in the church. We can have our opinions on all sorts of things in church life. But when we pray together, we hear God together 
and we have one heart. And Matthew uh, chapter 18 says, Look, truly, I say to you, when two, or three, two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Jesus is encouraging us, come together and pray. Come together and pray, and Jesus will be with us. So we pray. Yes, we pray individually, but we pray corporately as well. We pray together and call on God as one voice. So secondly, we, firstly, we see there's a time to pray. Secondly, we see who we come to. We pray to our Father. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. So we pray to our Father. God is the creator of the whole universe. He is the awesome God. But he's not unapproachable to us. We have come into God's family through Jesus. We are his children. It's amazing, isn't it, to think that we can bring our prayers to the very throne room of God. And we do so entirely because of Jesus. In fact, when we come, we pray and we bring our requests in Jesus' name. That's often what we say. Many of us maybe don't even realize why we say it. We just think, oh, it's a little tag on at the end of a prayer. So we'll say our prayer and then go, oh, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, we're coming in Jesus' name, not just as something to say at the end of our prayers. We're coming in Jesus' name because we are encountering God as our Father. And we only encounter God as our Father through Jesus. We couldn't come to God as Father otherwise. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would have only encountered God as our judge, We don't come to God relying on our own credibility. We don't come to God relying on our own record in the hope that God might be gracious enough to listen to us. If we did that, he's not going to listen to us. In fact, we would only receive his wrath against our sin. Instead, we come in Jesus' name. We come completely and entirely relying on the saving work of Jesus. Because we know God's pleased to listen to his son. God's pleased to listen to Jesus as prayers. And we are hidden in Christ. So we become children of God. We come as children of God. And we come in Jesus' name because we're coming saying, we're not not coming on our own record. We're not coming because we can persuade you at all. John Calvin says, to call God Father is to pray in Jesus' name. This is what he said. Who would break forth into such rashness as to claim for himself the honor of a son of God unless we'd been adopted as children of grace in Christ? We can't come. Who would come and say, oh, I'm a son of God unless it was through what Jesus had done? We can't come and do that ourselves. So we come in Jesus' name and we come to our Father. Thirdly, Jesus teaches us what to pray. We're just going to touch on these very briefly. Uh, This little passage of what he says, we could spend a lot longer on it. Um, But we pray, what does it say in verse 2? When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We pray for God's kingdom to come. I told you it fitted in with the theme. Um, Jesus' rule, God's rule, is to be made apparent on the earth. Matthew's version of this prayer actually adds, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's what God's kingdom is. God's kingdom is 
his will be done, God's will be being done on the earth as well as in heaven. We bring God's rule into the earth. So that's what we're praying for. And that's the prayer of our community. And that's what we're about bringing. That's what the church is doing. It's not just the church. It's bigger than the church. But the church bring forth God's kingdom. So we're asking God, will you do that? Bring about your rule here on earth. We pray for provision. Give us each day our daily bread. We pray for provision together as a community. That's what uh, the Israelites would have prayed for. They, they prayed for manna in the wilderness. And they received it from God. They prayed for food. And uh, it, for us, it won't necessarily be bread that we're praying for. In Jesus' time, it still would have been. That's the basic staple food of life. That's what you pray for each day. And it wasn't always readily available. But we pray that we get everything that we need to sustain us and to do God's will as a church. So we might, be, uh, we might end up praying for uh, financial provision. Or we might end up praying for uh, somewhere to meet. Or we might end up uh, praying for resources to go and spread God's kingdom in the world. But we're praying for what we need to do God's work. We pray together. And then as well, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. We pray together. We repent together. We forgive each other of our sins. Making sure that we maintain the unity of Christ. You know, we, it's a good time to do that before communion. We're going to break bread later on uh, today at the end of the meeting. And it's a good time before that. If there's something that you know you've got against someone or there's some division between you and someone else who's here, go and sort it out. If they're not here, sort it out between you and God and make plans to sort it out later on. We want to maintain the unity. We forgive each other because, you know, we can get into situations where we irritate each other or where something happens to break that unity of Christ. We need to forgive each other because we know God's forgiving us. And we pray that God won't uh, lead us into temptation. Really, we pray that God will prevent us from wandering into temptation. Not that God leads us to temptation, but we are all tempted. Jesus was tempted as well. And we would naturally be drawn that way if it wasn't for God. So we're saying, God, will you guard us, lead us away from temptation? That's what we pray. That's what we pray together as a church. Okay, we're rattling through. This one's I'm going to take a little longer on. Fourthly, how do we come to God? Jesus teaches his disciples how they come to God in prayer. So he tell, interestingly, he tells this little story straight after the Lord's Prayer. He says, suppose one of you's got a friend and uh, you say to him at midnight. So you f basically, you, you, we've read the story. We'll not read it again. I'll, I'll explain it. You're there and someone comes round to your house and it's late. It's late at night. Now, the culture in uh, Jesus' day was whatever time people show up to your house, you've got to provide them hospitality. You give them something to eat. But the bread is provided every day. Someone's coming around at midnight. You've not got any bread. They're, they're there. They're looking at your calendar and like saying, hey, just coming in. I see you've not got tag schedule. That's not good. And anyway, I'm quite hungry. Can I have a piece of toast? <laughs> and you're like, I've got no bread. But they've asked me for toast. Well, you know, Keith, just stay there a minute. All right? And, that, and, and so you're thinking, what shall I do? So you, I'm, I've got. I know, Brent will have some bread. He's always got bread in the house. So I'm going around to Brent. Brent, Brent. And you're banging on the door. Brent. <laughs> Brent. 
Now, Brent's living in a house, and he's only got one room in his house. It's pretty much one room. Brent, Brent, Brent! I, I need some bread. I need some bread. Can you get me some bread? Now, Keith's come around. He's wanting toast. You know what he's like? He eats all the time. Can I? He came yesterday. I'm out of bread. He's back again. <laughs> I've not even got any bananas. Gary was around. He's eating all those. <laughs> I need some bread. Have you got some bread? Give me some bread. Yes. No. Oh, sorry. No. No. <laughs> no. My kids are asleep, no, he says. <laughs> He's just got the kids to sleep. So that's, what he, that's what he says, because they're all in the same room. He doesn't want to wake them up. If you've got kids, you know what that's like. Yeah. All right, you should know what it's like. <laughs> but I'm persistent. I'm like, come on, give me some bread. He eventually, gives me, he eventually says, okay, gives me some bread. You did give in too early. So I come back. Oh, here you are. Have some toast. Fill your boots. <laughs> that's what the story's about. <laughs> now... Brent wasn't going to, he's my friend, but he's, he wasn't bothered. He's like, just got to sleep. His family are all asleep. They're in the same room. He's not going to wake his kids up. He doesn't want to do that. But Jesus says, actually, he will. In the end, he will. Why will he do it? Jesus says, it's not because he's my friend. He won't do it for that reason. He, he, he does it because of my persistence. He does it because I'm bold in asking. He does it because I've got the nerve to ask him, basically. <laughs> <He's had enough. laughs> Leave me alone, get to sleep. Sometimes we have to have the nerve to do things. Sometimes we have to be bold. And Jesus is encouraging us here. Be bold before God. You know, I, 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 go, to, I go to stores. Debbie will tell you this, and uh, people who get to know me will know. Jo Jody knows this as well now in the office. Because when I go to stores, I'll always ask for a discount. Like wherever I go, not, not everywhere, like not if it's like, <laughs> I don't go to <laughs> second cup and say, okay, give me 50 cents off this coffee. <laughs> but if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to a, a store otherwise for anything decent, big, like I'll say, oh, what discount can you give me on that? And they'll be like, oh, no, and I'm like, oh, come on, you can give it. And I usually end up getting a discount because I've got the nerve to ask them. And, uh, and people sometimes say, how do you get a discount on everything? I'm like, well, I just asked for it. And, and that's the same point. Jesus is saying, have boldness, not in a store, but have boldness in prayer. He goes on and says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. You know, if you don't go to the house, you don't get the bread. If you take the first answer that Brent gives you, no, go away, I'm going to say, then you don't get the bread. He said, no, come on, man, give me the bread. And Jesus is giving that illustration, and he's saying that's how we go to God. Not that God is reluctant, but there's something there that Jesus is saying to do. He's saying it for a reason. He's saying, come on, keep asking God in prayer. Don't just pray your prayer and then think, oh, that's not worked. Forget that then. Jesus is saying, no, he's a good father. He's our father. You're coming to our father. He loves you. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, gives him a snake? You know, he said, we're evil. We can give good gifts to our children. Surely God's going to give more. 
But there's something here about persistence. There's something here about boldness. There's something here about having a nerve. So Jesus is saying, come and pray like that. Come and pray like that. Do you know what the enemy would whisper to us at this point? Maybe he's whispering it to us right now. Oh, it's coming in our mind. It plays right to the laziness of the flesh. We, we can sometimes think, well, why? Why do we need to pray? Because God's sovereign. And so he's going to do what he wants anyway. So why do I need to pray? You know, I see some of you taking notes there for the first time. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> no, no, no. If that's the case, I would ask, well, why does the Bible teach us to pray? If that's the case, why did Jesus need to pray so much? I mean, he was praying all the time. He didn't kind of go, oh, well, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. He prayed. He went and spoke to his heavenly father. You know, I do believe that God is sovereign. I believe that because the Bible tells me he is. That's why I believe it. I do believe we need to pray and be bold in our praying because the Bible tells me that that's what we need to do. And we could spend an hour debating, well, how do those two things go together? But to be honest, we'd be better spending an hour praying because, because in one sense, here's the short answer. Here's my answer. The short answer is we've got to hold the two in tension because the Bible holds the two in tension. You know, it's, it, it's not either. Or. There's so many things in the Bible that's the case with. There's so many things where we say, well, how can that be so if that's so? And you just think, well, we've just got to believe it is. I mean, God does give us minds. We can try and work it out, but we trust God that there is a working out. And, and to be honest, a lot of the time we just say they're both true. We hold it in tension. God is sovereign. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He can do what he wants. He created the whole world without us. He created the universe without us. He doesn't need our prayers, but he calls us to come and pray. He involves us in prayer. He involves us in his, his kingdom coming. He says, come on in and persist. Keep asking. He could answer straight away. Sometimes he doesn't. He wants us to keep going, keep pressing in. We've just got to believe that, that's, that God knows best. And we see that the disciples learn this. We see the disciples learn this. In Acts 4, we see the disciples putting this into practice. So Peter and John, they're arrested for preaching about Jesus. And they return to the disciples. and Because they've, you know, they've been told, you can't preach about Jesus anymore. Stop it. And they go back to the disciples and they tell them. They say, we've, we've been forbidden to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so what is the response of the church? Let's have a look in Acts 4. It says this. Oh, let me find it in my Bible as well. Acts 4 and verse 24 says this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, why do the na nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers band up together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, who you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to stretch 
speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they've been told they couldn't do something, and their response was to gather together and to pray, and to pray, and to say, God, will you have your way? They called together on the name of the Lord. And the response was, uh, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God came, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they spoke the word of God boldly. Interesting, isn't it? As we pray to God, God leads us to increase faith. He fills us with his spirit, and he leads us to action. As we pray, he leads us to action. Now, they didn't just go and say, oh, we've been told not to preach. We better not. But neither did they say, we've been told not to preach, so let's just go and do it anyway, because we know that's the right thing to do. God led them to pray. And then the Spirit came. And they were filled with boldness and the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. That's when they went and acted, after they prayed, after they called on God together. Brothers and sisters, God will fill us with his Spirit. As we pray together as a church, we will understand more of Jesus' plans and purposes. We will trust God more. We'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll increase in boldness. And if we don't pray, those things actually don't happen. We end up thinking, oh, no, I'm not sure about this, and we end up being fearful. God calls us into community together. We were seeing that the other week. So we pray together. Sometimes I, I, I get the impression that much of our prayer leads to inaction rather than action. And I believe, let me, I'm going to explain that in a moment. But I think it's because we're praying the wrong things. Sometimes if, I, if, if one of us asks someone to get involved in something that the church is doing, and people say yes or no, and people are free to say, you're all free to say yes or no, that's absolutely fine. Sometimes people say, oh, I'll pray about it. Actually, when people, <laughs> when people say I'll pray about it, sometimes I, I go, oh, really? Because <laughs> I, I kind of, my experience is, usually if someone says I'll pray about it, th the answer's going to be no. <laughs> that's just the way it tends to be. I haven't got any statistics on that, um, but that's just what happens. So I just wonder, I just wonder whether we're praying the wrong things. I wonder whether we're praying the wrong things. So let, let's have an example. Let's say Robin. Robin heads, Rob, Andy and Robin, they head up the drop-in on a Monday night. Let's imagine someone come, Robin and Andy come to, to one of us and they say, um, you know, can you help out with the drop-in? And we think, oh, sh sh I'll pray about it. I think some of us would just pray, Lord, should I help out with the drop-in? That might be our prayer. I think that's the wrong prayer. I think that's the wrong prayer to pray. Actually, I don't see prayers like that in the Bible. So that's why I think it's the wrong prayer. Okay, this is, this is more along the lines of what I think we should be praying in a situation like that. All right, Lord, I thank you for the drop-in. Thank you that through the drop-in, you're reaching many of the disenfranchised people of this city. Jesus, you went to those who knew they had a need. Lord, I pray you would do that same thing in, as a church through the church in our city. Lord, let your powerful hand be at work through Andy and Robin and the team. And Lord, 
I want to ask you, is this something that you're allowing me to be part of? And if so, I pray you'll give me a godly passion for this. And if it is, Lord, I pray you will rearrange my schedule so that I can do it. And I've got the grace to do it. And I'm not going to get overrun. And Lord, I pray if it's not me, I pray you'll show me one way or the other. But if it's not me, Lord, I pray you will provide workers for that thing and that outreach. Because I believe it's on your heart. Do you, get, <laughs> do you get the difference? We're praying for what we've been asked. We're not praying, oh, should I do it? That's part of it. That's part of it. You know, God, are you... Al- and, and I think, genuinely, I would say, God, are you allowing me to do that? Because it's a privilege. That's what God does. He allows us to be part of his work. Now, it may well be God's calling you and, and allowing you to be part of some other aspect of God's work in and through the church. That's why there's freedom. You, we, we don't just do things just because someone's asked us. We don't do things because there's a need, because we're trusting God to provide that need. But we're coming and we're calling on God for that ministry or whatever it is in the church, and then we're saying, okay, God, someone's, this person's obviously felt to ask me, so God, is that what you're allowing me to do? And if it is, give me that boldness. Give me that passion. Give me the ability to do it. That's a better prayer to pray. And I think if we prayed more like that, more people would end up saying yes. Just because I think we, we get the bigger picture and God gives us that passion for things. It's a bit like I, w- I was talking about this with Brent um, earlier this week. And he said, well, it's a bit like if we pray for, for our marriage. You know, if our marriages are, are struggling in some way or, or whatever, you think, oh, you know, I really need to pray for our marriage. What, we don't want to just start praying, oh, Lord. Should I, should I make my wife a cup of tea in the morning? Oh, Lord, should, or even worse, oh, Lord, should I stay with my wife or my husband? You know, our marriage is difficult. Should I stay? Should I not? Actually, that's not a good prayer to pray for our marriage. If we're praying for our wife, oh, Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you you've called her to be, to be yours. I thank you you've put us together. Lord, I pray uh, you would, Lord, my wife's struggling with these things and my husband's struggling with these things. I just pray for them. I pray that you will make them the person you've called them to be. I pray you will bless them. I pray you'll fill them with a passion. And you're praying for them. And as you pray for them, I think then it's not, you're not even going to consider, am I going to make them a cup of tea? You know, actually you think, oh, I want to serve my wife or I serve my husband or whatever. It's a different sort of prayer. You get the thing. I think that we do that the same with God sometimes. Okay, I've spent quite a while on that. But I I do think we need to learn the right ways to pray. All right, where am I going? Let's remember it's a battle that God is calling us to. It's a battle that our flesh doesn't want us to join We need God's spirit to wake us up and fight. And he does that as we pray that his kingdom is come. So let's not pray, should I do this? Let's pray for the thing that we're doing. Ephesians 6 speaks of being strong in the Lord, putting on the armor of God. And it ends like this. Pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. All right. We, interesting. Paul's asking the Ephesians to pray for him as he proclaims the gospel. Uh, last time I was preaching, I spoke about how uh, we can be fearful, we can re- be reticent to tell people the gospel. And I said, look, to be honest, maybe... 
if we look at it as a community, we see that some people are more gifted than others in that. So in some ways, the pressure's off, but we're still doing something as a community. Certain ones of us are gifted in preaching and teaching and declaring the Gospels, others not. Paul is passionate, clearly, about telling people about Jesus. He planted churches. If you read the New Testament, he rarely encourages the church to do that. If you notice that, he rarely says, go out and tell people about Jesus. He, he encourages people to live holy lives, and he encourages people to pray. And he says here, pray for me as I bring the gospel. We've got a team of evangelists coming over next week. Tough talk. You've heard about it already. They will be boldly preaching the gospel. Our job next week is not to preach the gospel. It probably wouldn't be a great idea if they're in, up there doing their stuff and we said, oh, I'm going to preach now, and we stood there and did that. But what we can do is we can pray. That's what Paul would urge us to do. That's what we've been urged to do already. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. And I would exhort you, along with Brent, and urge you to come and join us. We've set aside the time. We've got it scheduled in. And, and actually, that's why, as Brent said, we've cleared the church picnic. It's not because now we're not bothered about community. You know, we said, let's, let's do things together as a community. You might be thinking, why have we canceled the church picnic then? Well, the reason we've canceled the church picnic is not because community is unimportant. And, it, and actually, if you want to eat together, great, go and do that. You know, have someone around, go out to the park. What we're wanting to say and lead you in is saying today we are prioritizing prayer. We are recognizing an important need today to pray for these guys who are coming next week from England and they're going to be preaching the gospel. So we need to pray. We have a battle to fight tonight. We need to be ready for that battle. So we know that if we go out after this morning and we go out to the park and we all hang about in the park and, and we're there till three, gone three, whatever, and we've been in the sun and we'll go home, we're going to be going home and thinking, oh, do you know what? It's been a long day with the church already. We, we just need to rest. That's what our flesh is going to tell us. Now, it's going to tell us that anyway, but it would definitely tell us that after an afternoon. So we're clearing that time. We're saying, go home, have a nap this afternoon, and come out tonight, 7.30, boldly prepared to do battle. We are calling on God to save people tonight. We have got people's eternal destiny on the line tonight. And I don't want to guilt you into something, but that's the reality. That's what we're praying for. Jesus calls us to come and pray. Let your kingdom come. These guys who are coming are gifts from God. But if we don't pray, what we're saying is, they can handle it themselves. They're good enough. They're, they're skilled. They'll, it'll, it'll all happen. God's sovereign. But Jesus calls us to pray, and they can't handle it themselves. They need God. They need us to be praying. We want to see God's kingdom advance here in Fredericton. We want to see people saved into his kingdom. We want God to change Fredericton. If God's given us hearts to care about Fredericton and the people here, we will make plans and pray. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 1 about the Israelites, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. His heart is that they may be saved. His prayer is that they may be saved. He prays that. It was his heart's desire, so he prayed. 
He'd been a murderer of God's people. He saw that now, oh, I was the worst of sinners. And he looks out at others and he sees they're blind to the truth too. And they're walking towards destruction. He sees the urgency of the situation. So he battles in prayer. And we've been saved too by the grace of God. Yet thousands of people in this city are walking towards destruction in ignorance or rebellion against God. They're in desperate danger. We need to understand the present time. Yes, it will be difficult. Yes, it's a battle. We're not saying it's something fun to do. Sometimes we can do that and say, oh, come out, it'll be fun. No, it won't. It's a battle. Battles aren't fun. They're not. They're battles. But the final thing, and I'm going to not take as long on this one, the final thing that Jesus tells us is that the Holy Spirit joins with us. Jesus concludes his teaching by promising the gift of the Spirit to those who ask him. And we need the Spirit for power. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to his disciples. And that's exactly what happened. And so Romans 8.26, Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Paul's totally realistic. He says, you'll come tonight and you'll be like, okay, we're going to pray for this event and you'll pray for a minute or two and you'll be like, I don't know what else to pray for now. Well, pray, I don't get it. He says, we don't know what we're going to pray for, but the Spirit comes alongside and he joins with us and he picks up the load with us and he prays in accordance with God's will. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Weakness isn't a sin, it's just what we are, human, weak, we'll struggle. We will battle tiredness. We will battle when we pray. We will get distracted. Our minds will go off and, and think about the ham that we're going to have. <laughs> we don't know what to pray. Actually, Jesus battled these same things. but He didn't give up. He knew his disciples battled these same things. He saw them fall asleep. He still encouraged them in prayer. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. All right. I believe there's lots of applications for us through this message ongoing as God calls us to be a praying church. But it does start tonight. I do encourage you to join us for TAG tonight. You may have had other plans. You know, I might go and look at your calendar and think, oh, you've got something else there for Sunday night. Well, do you know what? Most of those plans will probably wait. I encourage you to schedule it in. While you're at it, every second Sunday, schedule it in, in your calendar. Last time we came to TAG, Brent came. He told me afterwards. He came tired. He'd been out, I think, to your guy, you guys, uh, no, not you, you guys, for a meal. Uh, he came, he came, he was tired, he had a headache, he was feeling weak. And he said to me, as I began to pray, and as we began to call out to God with everyone else, and we were praying for our young people last time, and we prayed passionately, it was good. There wasn't many of us, but it was good. And he said, do you know what? I left feeling invigorated, and we knew God had heard us. You know, so yes, we're weak. And, and, you know, it'll always happen at the time of the week we're most tired. And you, people say, oh, well, it's a Sunday evening. It's not a great time. Do you know what? It, it might not be, but you'd be tired on a different day and a different time because that's what happens. It just is. I've, I've had prayer meetings and they've been scheduled all sorts of different times of the week. And I'm always tired before I go. Always. I never feel like going before I go. It's just the truth. We've got to press on. We subdue our flesh. We don't allow it to win. Come and pray. As we come, we know we've got access to our all-powerful, heavenly Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And we know we've got the Spirit in us coming along, praying in accordance with God's will.
And if we ask boldly and we seek and we knock, Jesus says God will answer. So we can come in great confidence and call on the Lord tonight for the advance of his kingdom here in Fredericton and in Canada and in the world. All right, so let's pray. The band want to come back up. We're going to break bread in a minute. I'm just going to pray, then I'm going to hand back over to Brent. Father God, I thank you. Lord, we don't always understand your ways. We don't understand why you call us to pray. We, we say, God, surely you can do everything. But Lord, we believe that you've called us into this as your church. You've called us to be involved. We have the privilege of being involved. Oh God, we can come alongside our mighty heavenly Father. And we can be involved in your kingdom coming on the earth. And Lord, we know we feel weak. And so we know we need to come together and hear from you and receive the power that we need to live our lives. Oh, Lord, Lord, encourage us, I pray. Encourage us tonight. Encourage us in a few weeks' time as we gather again. Lord, in the different settings that we might pray, like our life groups, encourage us individually in prayer. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you we can join with brothers and sisters. We can be encouraged by each other. We can be stirred by each other. Lord, keep working in us, we pray. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.